invite you to rise as you are able as we receive the gospel message this morning. This is the Holy Gospel according to St. John. We find it in the first chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This, sisters and brothers, is the gospel of the Lord. Praise God. Please be seated. And I say to you, grace and peace be with you all from God our Father as we celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ on this glorious day. Amen. When we hear John's gospel, we hear something that's startling on December 25th. We hear that it all began with a word. Not just any word, but the word. God's word. Before there was a church, before there was a world, there was the word. Creation dawns, and we find God speaking to God's own self. And as God speaks his word, the very thing he names just bursts onto the scene. There's light, there's sky, and land, and sea. The word had hardly left God's mouth. It, it was just hanging there in the still, hushed air. And immediately that word was at work, drawing something from nothing. It was accomplishing God's creative purpose in that beginning. But notice, once that word was let loose, there could be no doubt. That word would achieve what God desires. God himself says so. He says, my word, that which goes out from my mouth, shall not return to me empty. He declared that through the prophet Isaiah. And he continued, but my word shall accomplish that which I purpose, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. You and I, we're different. We use words casually, sometimes even carelessly. But God, God never wastes a word. That's not to say God is silent. In fact, God is constantly speaking. But unlike us, however, God's word is deliberate. 
it carries within itself the power of creation. God's Word is the farthest thing from celestial chatter. Every word spoken by God is, in fact, a sure promise of something yet to come. It's sometimes said of people that they're as good as their word. You've heard that saying, I'm sure. There is no difference between what people like this speak and what they do. If such a person gives you their word, you can be sure that they will move mountains to make whatever they have put forward come to pass. A person like this, who is as good as their word, can be counted upon, even when the odds seem stacked against their promise. Reminds me of an old story. True story. The story is told of Andrew Carnegie's visit to Princeton University way back in 1902. At that time, the steel tycoon had worked ferociously to build his tremendous fortune. And now, in 1902, he was working just as mightily to give his wealth away. After many invitations by a man named Woodrow Wilson, who was then president of Princeton University, Carnegie agreed to visit the campus. With visions of libraries and science labs dancing in his head, Wilson showed the millionaire around his university, making sure to point out areas where the Carnegie fortune could be put to especially good use. After a very full day of touring, Wilson escorted his guest back to the train station. As he boarded the train, Carnegie turned and thanked President Wilson for a very instructive day at Princeton. What's more, he told him he had made a decision. He said, and I quote, I know exactly what Princeton needs, and I intend to give it to her. At that moment, Wilson must surely have thought he'd hit the jackpot. Yes, I know what Princeton needs, Carnegie continued. It's a lake. A lake. Princeton should have a rowing crew to compete with Harvard, Yale, and, and Columbia. And with that bombshell, Andrew Carnegie left his dumbfounded host just gaping on the platform. He boarded the train. A lake. A lake? What sort of bizarre joke was this? What kind of man promises to create a lake where none had ever existed, simply so that a college could have a rowing crew? Wilson must have thought the day and maybe Andrew Carnegie's sanity to both have been a complete loss. But the tycoon in time came through. He was as good as his word, and his word was as good as gold. Less than three years and... Nearly nine million of today's dollars. Now, eh, maybe it's more like 15 million with what's going on today. But a whole bunch of money later, Princeton crews were working the three and a half miles of Lake Carnegie, preparing to face their Ivy League rivals. It was just as Carnegie had envisioned. As outlandish as his proposal had seemed, what Carnegie had promised, he delivered to the school. And Woodrow Wilson, knowing a thing or two about diplomacy even then, accepted Princeton's new lake graciously, knowing never to look a gift horse in the mouth. All those 120 years ago, the words that the millionaire uttered that strange day at the train station were backed by both his determination to get things done 
and with the power that his wealth could muster. What he said to President Wilson, Carnegie intended to accomplish. He had made a promise. He had given his word. In Christmas, God comforts his hurting people. He says, look, look, my people, I give you my word. God did not seal his word with a handshake. He sealed it in the flesh of a human child, the newborn Jesus. In Jesus, we have God's word. We have all of God's creative power in that baby. And it's working among us in ways we can see and hear and taste and touch. His incarnate word brings about all the good that God desires for his creation. Jesus is the embodiment of God's promise to us. A human promise is strong, but even its strength can be broken by sin or by circumstances. Jesus, the incarnate Word, will be hindered by neither. Remember that God's Word always succeeds. It never returns to God empty. God sends the Word out full of power. And that Word makes all things new. And it returns full of joy due to its bountiful success. We, brothers and sisters, have God's Word. But what is that Word for us? Is us, those people who can see and love the light, yet for now remain in the darkness of this world? What is the promise that is so sure, so sure that it is hardly different from an accomplished thing? Here is the Lord's promise that we've heard before, and we must hear again. I am the resurrection and the life, says Jesus. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. You have God's word on that. All of us do. Here's another. On this mountain, God proclaims through Isaiah, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away all the tears from all faces, and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. Here also, you and I have God's word. And yet here is another promise from God. He said, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. We have God's word yet again. Like the greatest of all promisers, God has set his full will and all of his power to bringing these things into being. But unlike the words of even our best men and women, God's Word never fails. 
what God set in motion on the first Christmas day was nothing less than the salvation of the whole universe. The recreation and renewal of the heavens and the earth. This divine plan is far more outlandish than a three and a half mile long lake. It is not what we had looked for. But God has given us His word that these things will surely come to be. And so they shall. Today, as we celebrate the birth of God's word in human flesh, we also cling to the promises His word guarantees. God is as good as His Word, dear friends. And His Word is far better than much fine gold. A very blessed Christmas to you all. Amen.